This message was recorded at North 2011, an event organised by Christ Central, part of New Frontiers. You can find out more about Christ Central by visiting our website, ChristCentralChurches.org. One of our values being friends and join God together, and we're going to be talking about teamwork. And my name is Joe Crummy, and uh, I'm going to be sharing with you today. So great to have you here, and thanks for being with us. Looking forward to having an hour together to talk about some of these things. And Jeremy did a great job last night just going over sort of four distinctives of North, and the first one being this, just being friends together, enjoying God together. And Jeremy's asked me to speak on teamwork, and I hope that uh, really the table is set for us this morning as you were with us uh, when uh, Jenny shared that word about the starlings and just all together how being together, that's a whole picture of teamwork and how maybe one of us on our own uh, doesn't seem like much or very ordinary, but when we work together, uh, we can do incredible things. And so that's what we're going to talk about this afternoon. And just to give you a bit of uh, background, because I know most of you don't know me, uh, I'm from uh, Fredericton, New Brunswick, on the east coast of Canada. So if you can just think across the pond, Atlantic, and then we hit Nova Scotia, the next province that is New Brunswick, that's where uh, we're located. And in uh, Fredericton, we're, we're a city um, with our good English roots because we have a cathedral. Then we became the provincial capital way back when. And if you come to Fredericton, everything's pretty much named after everything in England. So it's great being in England and having all the same names. So easy to remember. And uh, Fredericton's university town. We have two universities of about 10,000, 12,000 students out of 70 thousand. We have a beautiful river that runs right through uh, the middle. And our church started uh, several years ago. And for the past eight years, I've been the lead elder of the Meeting Place Church. And I wish our other elders uh, could be here. Kevin and Gary, some of you have met uh, together on a mission at different times. And so it'd be great to team, do it together. But uh, I've got Joel here. He's from our church. We have six others from our church who are here at North. And so he's going to be helping me out. And the rest of them could have helped out, but I sent them, you need to go see Terry's seminar. So thank you guys for being, someone must have paid you to be here, but that's really nice of you to come. And uh, the Meeting Place Church now, uh, over the years, has grown, and now we are about uh, 200 core, and on between Sundays and that, we're now getting up to 225, 250, and we own our own building uh, that we use um, six and a half days a week, and we outgrew it. So we meet on the university campus, we rent a lecture hall that holds about 300 plus, and then we have all kinds of rooms for kids and nursery and everything like that. And then uh, family-wise, we're working on team as a family. So this is my wife, Angela, if you can see her there, and we've got four kids, and so she's uh, leading the team without me this week, and we've got three boys and a girl, and so, whew, church seems easy uh, after... uh, family life. So they're great. And uh, as I say, we're working on team. My background, when I was, uh, Terry was talking this morning about uh, being passionate for things uh, besides Christ. My passion growing up, uh, unfortunately, wasn't uh, Jesus or the church, but it was sports. So when I finished uh, high school and went to university, the one thing I went for was sports. So I went into athletic therapy, physical therapy, working with sports teams, primarily ice hockey. And then uh, later on, I became a school teacher teaching phys ed. So that's my background. So when it comes to teamwork, I naturally, now I have to change all my ice hockey illustrations to proper football illustrations, so I'll see if I can translate some. So when I was called to leadership and God really got a hold of my life, 
Um, I've always viewed church really as team. That's the lens that I've always viewed it from, from a sporting background. And when I realized that my passion for sports was, I think, ingrained um, by God, but it was for a false idol. And when Jesus saved me, my passion for team, I realized as I got a revelation for the church, that's really what I should be passionate about. And unfortunately, a lot of the times, as we see maybe in football teams, you've got managers and coaches and all kinds of people working together. In church, sometimes you don't see that at all. And so it's been a good frustration to uh, motivate me to realize, you know what, the church should be the best-looking team there is. If there's ever a team that should be working together, it should be us, and we're going to take a look at that. So that's sort of the lens I uh, look through as really having a team perspective, and that's what Jeremy's asked me to share um, this afternoon. So we'll jump right to it. And basically what I'm going to do today, very briefly, because we only have a few minutes, so I'm just going to try to pick a couple of things that will hopefully help you, is we want to just take a brief biblical look at uh, not just taking my word from a sports point of view, but actually looking at the Bible and saying how church is team. We want to look at a couple of values that we need to have really undergirding everything within us as we look at team. And then we're going to take a look at some practical things. How can we actually implement working together as team? Because to be honest, it's a lot harder working with other people than just going on your own. So sometimes solo sports look really tempting. Uh, but we're going to take a look at how can we have some practical tools that will help you, whether you're a, it, as leaders, so you might be leading something. How do I get other people involved? How do I train other people? How do I extend these things? Or you might be in a place where you're not leading, but you're a helper. Maybe you're a server and you're like, how can I be a part of team? And so whatever sort of angle you're coming from, hopefully this is going to help you, whether you're in some sort of leadership at any level, how can I get others? Or maybe you're like, I'm just happy to help. You know, I don't want to be the leader. I'm just count me in. Well, then hopefully this will help you uh, be a part. And then we're going to share some personal experience just from our own church life to give you some examples. And I'm going to get Joel to share, and he's going to share a couple of examples of the things I'm going to talk about, how we've tried to implement that so you get to hear that I'm not lying and that we're actually trying to do these things. And Joel's going to share from his leadership stuff, but also from not being a leader. So he'll come at it from both those angles. All right? You pumped? You ready to go? All right, well, let's pray, and then we're going to look at God's Word, and then we'll walk through some of these things together. So, Father in Heaven, we thank You that uh, You are our Father in Heaven. We thank You that You've put us into a family, and You saved us through Jesus Christ. We thank You that now Your church, we see, is the body of Christ. Maybe one body, but many members. And God, we pray this afternoon, even in our short time together, Holy Spirit, You would speak, that You'd show us what it is to be team as a church, how we can work together, how we can do more together than we ever could apart. So God, help us, I pray now, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, well, let's take a look at uh, one scripture, and I know it might be a bit hard to see, but this is from 1 Corinthians 12. I'm sure it's familiar to all of you, so I'm just going to go through it and assume you know some of these things, but it's good to earth it uh, in God's word. We'll pick it up at verse 4. It says, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit, and there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Let me say that again. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. I'm going to skip ahead to verse 11. All these are empowered, because go, he goes through a bunch of gifts. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit 
who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one in body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized in the one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Oh, what a great passage of Scripture. Okay, One body, many members. God is the one by a spirit, puts people together. The Holy Spirit chooses what gifts to give. Each of you, he gets to put roles and calls in your life. And guess what? He does it. And we get to be together and we get to look out for each other. So automatically... What makes us different from sports teams is that sense of competition among us and striving, of position, all those things. Okay, so that's what sets us apart right from the start. Okay, we're going to take a look at sort of a biblical overview, and we're going to start with the Trinity. And if you saw in those first few verses, Holy Spirit, Jesus, Lord, God, Father. Okay, the Trinity, the Godhead, is our model for team. Okay, so we're going to quickly, I mean, there's a whole weekend right there isn't there okay we're going to assume you know some of these things but it's good just to refresh our memory god is the perfect example of team at creation okay the father speaking okay jesus the word holy spirit together in salvation all those things working together preferring one another different roles all those things relationship partnership everything new testament model okay we won't even get into the old testament there's lots of team stuff there skip it ahead new testament model jesus modeled team he had the 12 he had the three he had peter james and john john was really close to him the 12 the 70 hey we moved on to 120 he worked in team he worked with his father i only see what do i see my father doing he was anointed with the holy spirit team 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 partnership 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 paul did the same thing okay paul was always with someone barnabas here okay we're going to send titus here working together i'm not going to go there because i can't get other guys to go with me Team, team, team. Elders are appointed in churches. Elders, plural. Okay? Team working together. Ephesians 4 ministry, translocal. Team, team, team. Okay? So hopefully you get a bit of a picture of all the way through God's Word. We start with the Trinity. We see Old Testament. We see New Testament. And today, what we're trying to do is we're trying to restore that whole concept of team. And it might be, I don't know what it's like. Here in England and Canada, there's a lot of independence, isolation, and a lot of one-man show. Okay? And it can go everything from a Catholic background where the priest does everything, or an Anglican background. It can go to sometimes local churches even have people working together, but they're a local church unto themselves. They're not part of a family of churches. Sometimes it's the pastor does everything, okay? or a specialist does everything. 
So we're trying to restore, it's part of New Frontiers, right? We're trying to restore New Testament values into our church life. And what I find, even I would even say, talking to a lot of people, even within our family of churches, we hear a lot about team, but if we take a look at some of our churches, we say we're working in team, but I don't think we really are working in team, if I'm allowed to say that. Because a lot of times it's like one person still making all the decisions. One person, even though they have on paper a team around them, still doing all the work. So we don't want to just talk about team. We actually want to function in team. So that's a quick biblical overview. What are some of our values that really have to, you have to have these values in place or the next practical part I'm going to give you won't work. And these are some really key values and we've uh, read them out of scripture. Okay, the first one is, this is key. You need to have an attitude and a mindset that we're going to be committed to working as team. It's an attitude. So I said, I've got a sports lens. That's how I think. I'm sort of predisposed. God redeemed all my passion for sports, and now he's using it for good in church life. But I think that way all the time. It's a mindset. It's a lens. So I wouldn't think of doing things on my own. It's like, how can I get others involved? How can we do this together? But it's a commitment. Because, folks, here's the deal. It's a lot more work. I'm telling you right up front. Now, you'll get more gain from it, but teamwork is really hard because it means you're part of a team. And anytime you've got to work with other people, man, it's tough because everyone's not perfect like I am. So, you know what? It's really hard. You know, I raise the bar really high. So, it's an attitude and a mindset. It's a real commitment to say, okay. We're making, whatever area of ministry you might be in, we're making a commitment that we're going to work as team. And I got a great example on our eldership team, Gary Glant, actually Joel's dad, and some of you have met Gary and Barb before. Gary and I had a conversation seven or eight years ago, just as he was really getting into our church and we're looking at eldership in the future, everything like that. And Gary asked this very dangerous question. Uh, he asked, now Joe, do you see anything in my life that you think, you know, could use some working on. Now, it's a very dangerous question, but a good question. And I said, Gary, he doesn't mind me. If he was here, I wish he was here because he would tell it. For I said, Gary, here's, here's the deal. I said, a lot of great things. You're like, Gary is a great guy. I said, but here's my observation, okay? Gary's a school teacher at the time, and he was in computers. He worked in a computer lab, which was separate basically from the rest of the school, and he oversaw all the computer stuff, but he was very isolated. He ran the show. Gary's a great athlete, but guess what his two biggest things were as an athlete? Okay? Marathons, running, and weightlifting. Very solo ones. He'd go for a run by himself and go. He'd weightlift. Yeah, you might need a spotter once in a while. If you saw Gary, he doesn't need much to spot. He's a huge guy. And we just talked about different things and realized, you know, he didn't even see it. It's a real blind spot that... Even though he's around people, everything he did was really isolated. He did it really well, but it was a changing point for Gary to begin to change, to realize if I'm going to be part of an eldership, then I've got to be able to work more in team. And it's amazing. As we had that conversation over the last few years, uh, Gary, his role in school has changed. Now he has to work with much more other people. And it's been a phenomenal change. But what did it take? It took a change and a real attitude, commitment, mindset to say, I'm going to change, that this is going to be really important. 
And we talk about this a lot of time in our great sort of Reformation background or thing, the priesthood of all believers. And we would say, yeah, we don't need priests. Jesus is our great high priest. We're all in it together. But functionally, what does that look like? Are we really equipping all of us to be the priesthood of all believers? That we all have a role. We all have different gifts. It doesn't all mean leadership in one sense if we define leadership. But we're all in it together. Every one of us has a part to play. We want to get away from that. 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. And we want to get away from the one man show where the pastor does it all. And even in our churches, and in even I would say sort of second generation churches, we can revert back very quickly. And we have to keep pressing home. Priesthood of all believers. That Just as we read from 1 Corinthians 12, we all have a part to play. We all need it. Okay, Some of us are more in the spotlight. Some of us are behind the scene. But we're all important. Attitude, mindset. Next thing we need as a real value for what we're going to talk about is solid relationships. So we just read 1 Corinthians 12. What comes next? It's not just read at uh, marriages. What comes next? 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. It's foundational. Solid relationships. If you're going to work in team, then we really need to hear the message of grace. Then we really need to be secure in God's love, that we're in Christ, that we're not comparing people, that we're not pulling other people down to make me look good, all those things. If we don't have those foundational things, it makes teamwork really, really hard. Foundational value things. It's the grace of God. It has to affect every part of our lives, not just for salvation, for everyday life. It's for working in team. It's for when we miscommunicate sometimes, you know what, i got to go say, you know what, I'm sorry. You know, that wasn't what I meant. Please forgive me. Keep short accounts, and then we can move on. Okay? I won't get into all my sports illustrations. How many good teams have been totally destroyed okay? by selfishness, by unforgiveness, bitterness, competition, all those things. We want to be a model of love, grace, forgiveness, excellent communication, which we'll give you some pointers in a couple of minutes' time. Okay? Another core value or of all of this in teamwork is define leadership, which might seem to go against our first one, against the priesthood of all believers, but we really need to find leadership to help people understand that if you're on a sports team, you have a coach, you have a manager who is putting together a team with a goal in mind. And in local churches, who gets to set the vision and direction of the church? Okay? It's the elders working with evangelists and pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets who are setting the pace for everything. And if we sometimes... And put at both ends of it. Sometimes we can get ideas and we can get things. And well, I'm priest of all the I have a say and I can have a part that goes against where the leadership is going. So in me saying that we all have a part to play, everything is so true. But it's in the context of we've got a we've got a head of the body, Jesus Christ. We've got local elders who are setting direction and vision that we got to get on board. We got to help and say what's the game plan? What's the goal? What's what's our purpose? And how do I fit into that? And so the whole thing of deacons, we're kind of reclaiming that name or ministry leaders or whatever you might want. Once we understand what the vision is and the goals, then how can I get on board to help fulfill those things? Okay, obviously we have general things from the Word of God, but there might be specific things, just as Jeremy was doing last night with those four distinctives, those four key values. How can we play a part? That's foundational. Otherwise, we're going to be always going against the leadership. Okay? Attitude, mindset. Is team really important? Is it biblical? 
Is it worth committing to? Is it worth the hard work? Okay, solid relationships. Are we going to teach on love, grace, forgiveness, communication? And do we have defined leadership? Do we know who the leaders are? Do we know what the direction and vision of our church is? That's what Jeremy was doing last night, defining as a group of churches. This is where we're going. This is what we value. At the end of the day, these are the main things. And we can say yes or no to getting on board with those things. All right? Let's keep going. Now, practically, how do we do this? And, folks, we only have a few minutes, so I had to pick one thing. There's so many things we could say about this, but we want to give you some practical help, and then hopefully we can take some time maybe for questions and answers at the end, and we, we can even maybe pray for each other. Okay? Now, as a good team player, I'm going to give credit. Dave Holden, many years ago at uh, the Brighton Conference, I think it, before it was even called together on a mission, he did one of his keynotes on these three things that were very helpful. So I give Dave Holden the credit for these three things. I couldn't come up with better ones, so I'm just borrowing his, okay? But they really had an impact on me, and uh, this is what we've tried to do. So I'll read them out because it might be hard for you to see it. The first one, there's sort of three Ds that, um, again, as you're a leader, hopefully this will help you, whether you're leading worship teams, small groups, kids' work, youth work, ministry of the poor, Whatever it is, hopefully this will help you. And if you're not leading, this should still help you, okay, as a good server, then to maybe help your leaders, maybe they don't have things well defined. We're going to talk about define, display, delegate. Those are the three Ds. So let's talk about define first. It's really important for those of us who are leaders to define as much as we can a lot of what we're doing. And I, I referenced Jeremy again last night. What was he doing? He was defining what we're all about. If you can't define your purpose, your goals, can you imagine a coach getting up before a team, before a match, and just saying, well, don't really know what the purpose is, don't really have a team line up, just go out there and do your best and I'll cheer you on. It would be chaos. And how many times in church, unfortunately, we might not come out that way, but a lot of times we haven't defined things very well. So what we found is, The more we can define things, the more we can come up with what's the purpose, what's my role, job descriptions. These are very practical things. Guess what? It cuts down on people being offended, people feeling left out, people feeling like they're not being used, people feeling they're burned out. From one extreme, there's nothing for me to do here, to I can't do anymore, I'm doing everything. If you can define purpose, roles, job description, you're going to help communication. You're going to help solid relationships. You're going to help getting people on board. So let me give you some examples, okay? Our Sunday morning meetings, we have people who do the welcome and the announcements. And it sounds like such a simple thing. How can you mess up doing the welcome and announcements? You can really mess up doing the welcome and the announcements. And so it might seem over the top, but when we get people on board we practice with them. We have a job description for welcome and announcements. Here's the job description. Here's what we're asking to do. Here's some helpful hints. Here's what we don't want you to do. And what, the, what it does is all of a sudden, somebody who I might say, I want you to be the MC. We really feel, you know, you've got a real gift of hospitality. You can welcome people in. They might say yes, but then I don't know what to do. Here you go. Now let's just sit down and let's take a look at these 
things. And for the next few weeks, what I want you to do is I want you to observe the other people who are going to open up the meeting and do the announcements over the next few weeks. And you keep track of what they do or don't do. Okay? First thing. Okay, I've got an understanding of what I'm supposed to do. I've got some guidelines to help me out. Then we can practice. We practice before you ever get up in front of a Sunday morning. We can practice that. We can try it out. Maybe can we can do it in a smaller. We can get feedback. Define, define, define. We try to do job descriptions for everything we do. Because what it does, it makes it more accessible for people to say yes to. You want to help with kids' church? I think so. Come on out. People are like, okay. But if you can say, look, here's some few things. What do you think you would like to do? Here's four or five options. Where would you like to get involved? Here's the role. Here's what we're expecting. Here's maybe the amount of time we're expecting you to commit to. Guess what? You make it much easier for people to say yes. You're helping the leaders to say, I know, and if they don't do what you said, you can come back and say, now let's just take a look at that job description again. Okay? Define, define, define. That's one key thing. I know it might sound common to anything, but most people don't define what we're asking them to do. And one of the things you can do is define as part of getting more people involved. The next thing is display. You actually have to show people how to do things. I mean, it sounds like discipleship 101, but we don't do a very good job of these things. We have to display, we have to model what we want done. Jesus did it all the time, didn't he? Okay. Jesus went and did it, and then he said to his guys, you come with me, and we'll do it. And then he said to his guys, now you go and do it. That's what we're trying to do in every aspect of life, big or small. We want you to help clean the building. Guess what? We have a job description on how to clean the building. Okay, Sue, you're going to love this because we get a lot of administrative things. But administration, job description, all that, it's not legalism. They can be our friends. Okay, That's why you have solid relationships, all those things. There's a good spirit to it. I get to play a part, but I have to display, I have to model what I'm asking people to do. And sometimes we do it maybe in some obvious things, maybe like worship team, for example. Okay, it might be obvious, but we don't always do it in other things. We have to model and display no matter what you're doing. So in our church, we try to everything. You're working with the poor, you come to our drop-in. We've got job descriptions on those who are serving coffee, everything. Okay, here's what we want you to do. Here's what we're asking you to do. People receive it well. Okay, again, it's not imposed because you're building on relationship, but it's to help them, helps everybody. But then we say, now here's how we want you to do it. Because that example of the MC, I can give you the paper. You can say, okay, I'm supposed to welcome people. Uh, Good morning, everyone. Welcome. Thanks for great to see you. That's not what we're asking for. You want to model it. Good morning, people. Great to see you. Great that you're here this morning. All right, everyone, let's stand. Let's get ready to worship God. You see the difference between just a piece of paper with here's what I want you to do, but actually modeling how you want to do it. So there's the part that's taught, and then there's the part that's caught, and that's displaying what you want people to do. So if you work with the poor, we want people to understand this is how you present yourself. Here's some phrases that you know aren't very useful. Here's some things you could, here's some good questions you could lead into. We're helping teach people. 
So at our drop-in Monday night, usually the first question you don't ask is, so what do you do for a job? Okay? People mean well, but most of the people there don't have a job. Okay? So it might be another question that we have to help them with. Okay? It might seem so simple, but you're making it accessible for people to get involved, people to serve, and to serve well, that they enjoy, and you're blessing those who you're serving. Display. And the last one is, sorry, with the display, the part it takes time is it takes a lot of prep work. Okay? I had two young guys working with me this summer, and I remember every time I went to do something, I was like, oh, man, I've got to take these guys with me. And it's a whole lot more work because I have to do prep work. I have to let them know, first of all, my schedule. I've got to schedule for these guys to be there. And then I've got to meet with them beforehand and say, here's what we're doing. So you just keep your mouth shut and you just watch and here's what we're going to do. And if I ask you to say something, then you can say something. And then afterwards, we've got to have time to then have feedback to know how it went. And then next time, I'm going to do half of it and you do half of it. And then next time, I'm going to let you do it. But it's a lot more work. But guess what? Now three of us can do it. And if you're going to church plant, and if you're going to multiply, you need to train people well to be able to do those things. And if we're involved in team and we're multiplying, sending out churches, 20% of the people can't do 80% of the work. You always got to be thinking, I got to replace myself, all those things. And then the last one, delegate. Okay, if you're in leadership, you got to ask this, you know, this question. What is there in what I'm doing in my role that only I can do? So I'm very clear as a lead elder, okay, I have to, and it changes over time. I have to keep coming back to what are the only things that I can do? Okay, so I have to write them down. I've got four or five things. Okay, I'm doing the majority of the teaching on a Sunday morning. Okay, I can't delegate. I delegate some of that away, but I can't delegate most of it. I've got to make sure that's in my schedule, okay? Um, when there are things that come up with church discipline, and meeting with people about church discipline, things and that. Okay, there's only a few of us that can do that. So i got to make sure I make time. That's a priority in that. Okay, and I go through the list. And every once in a while i got to go back and say, am I spending time on these four or five things? What are the only things that I can do in my role? And you got to think that whatever you're, if you're a leader, whatever you're doing, what are the things that I can do? Anything else is open for delegation. That helps you out. That's the defining. And then what can I display? And then what is it only I can do? Anything else is open for discussion. How can I get other people doing these things? Okay, if I need to be freed up to do this, how can I get other people? And as the church grows, guess what? Things change. Okay, so I used to be able to do that before, but I can't do that. My job description has changed 10 or 12 times in the last eight years. Because when you're 30 people, you, you do these things because there's not other one to do it. You get to 50, 70. Well, things change again. 100, 150, 200, 250. Okay? And then you start working with other shirts. My job description keeps changing. Whatever your role is, you've got to keep asking yourself, okay, what can I delegate and what do I have to do the bulk of? And then when you delegate, it, I put it out at the bottom. You can't quite see it. Risk-taking. A lot of times at the beginning, and this is where... Um, especially if you're more on the perfectionist side of things, it's really hard to delegate because most of the time people are not going to maybe do it as well as you do or they might do it as well, but they're going to do it slightly different than how you do it. That comes back to that mindset attitude. All right, that's not how I would do it. But I look around and I say, you know what? Actually, they're doing a great job. And sometimes, guess what? They do it better than you do. 
but it's a risk. Now, you've got to take a calculated risk. Again, you've got to be wise in how you do things. A lot of times we try to bring people in, okay, a bit more behind the scenes, whatever the ministry might be, give them some things. How do they respond? How do they do? And you kind of build in things. But it's still always a risk. Okay? And hopefully you've seen it modeled here. Jeremy does a great job of working in team. He models it well, doesn't he? His team. He's got different people doing announcements, all those things working together. Now, Jeremy's great. He could do it all. He could do a great job. But he's trying to model team. Delegate. And it's one question. What is only I can do after that? Sometimes I've got to take some risks for some people. Maybe it's bringing on an assistant small group leader. Okay, how are they going to do? I may have to coach them through, but it's always a risk. Someone's leading worship for the first time. Okay, sometimes you've got to prepare the body with that. Whatever it might be, there's always a risk, but it's worth the risk. Okay? Now, you with me? Is that helpful? You kind of get, hopefully, the gist of what we're going for there as far as including other people. Last thing, and um, we'll just give you some personal examples. I've tried to do that all the way through, but I'll give you a couple more, and then I'll get Joel to share. And uh, one of the big things I'm really passionate about as far as team goes in our church is for us as elders is to include our wives uh, in many things. And so what we do is uh, we've made it a priority. Just an example, this is, again, a bit of personal preference, but I think it's um, very necessary, is every second week we meet as elders. Every second week we bring our wives to our elders and wives uh, meeting because we feel it really vital for us as team that they bring so much to the table as far as being more in touch with women and women's needs and all those things and kids and children and everything. They bring a different gift mix to it. Now, at the end of the day, yeah, we meet on the second weeks and sometimes we have to make decisions and we're responsible for it. So don't get me wrong on uh, roles and all those things. But we found if we're going to work as a team, and one of the things I realized uh, early on, and this helped me, um, is I don't know about in England, but in Canada, it's a real hot topic. To only have male elders is a huge uh, deal. Like it's one of our, I get asked like every week about that. So it's a really difficult one to try to explain from a Christian point of view why we only have male elders. And what I always found myself going back to, well, starts with the Trinity and, you know, creation, Adam and Eve, everything going through good biblical, which we believe in, talking about marriage. And we always get, I can give the example, you know, for Angela and I, look, we're, we're together as a team, we're a partnership, and we listen to each other. And, you know, I'd be crazy if I didn't value Angela's input and opinion. But then, and then from family life, elders lead the church, all of that. But the missing link was, it's obvious and helps people to see, for Angela and our marriage, they could see that we're a partnership. It's a very defined partnership. But in church, hey, what we found is there's this missing gap. And we were kind of doing it, but it wasn't well defined. Where do women have a voice in church? And again, I think a lot of times it's there, but it's not well defined. So we, uh, a few years ago, said, you know what? We really need to, on a very practical level, to help our church, but also to help our church understand that we're not the male uh, chauvinists uh, that sometimes we get accused of by everyone outside of our church, that we got to work together in team, that we see it in marriage, but we don't see it well-defined in church life. So that's one thing that we've done.
that I think has benefited our church. It's benefited us as elders, and it's brought more team into men and women being represented in church life. So I'm going to be radical and just say that's, a, that's been one of the best things that we've done in our local church for team. And I mentioned that right off the top because we found that one really helps people all the way around. When we talk about team, then that really shows that we're committed to um, men and women in our church. Joel, I'm going to tag with you. And why don't you share some examples about your work with our youth and students and then also with our small groups. Thanks, Joel. You've got to put your money where your mouth is, I guess. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, well, I'm, my name is Joel Galance, and um, I'm a leader at uh, the Meeting Place Church in Fairton. And uh, if you've met my dad, Gary, you'll know that he's really muscular, and he didn't pass that on to me, but I have all the beard, so that's great. <laughs> I always throw that in his face. Um, so Joe's mindset is more of sports. Um, mine is more music as well as construction, so pretty different ends of the spectrum. And uh, a lot of time, like I just saw you two a couple weeks ago. It was great. I was like from me to Sue from Bono the whole time by chance. It was excellent. But like they're, they're kind of a great example of being um, the sum of the whole is more than the parts because like Adam Clayton, not a greatest bassist, <laughs> okay? But he's part of you too, and they're a great team together. Bono, not the greatest guitar player, great singer. Larry Mullen Jr. is solid. The Edge could probably be his own band five times by himself. But everyone has their Superman, right? So anyway, but there, some of the parts is more. And I also come from construction, which is a huge apprenticeship-based learning. I was an apprentice. Now I'm almost a licensed electrician. And uh, this is a couple lessons you learn from that along the way that I'll kind of show in. But like Joe said, I've been involved in youth ministry for the past uh, six years. And for the last three, I've been kind of overseeing and uh, leading our whole program. We call it Fuel in Fairton. And uh, it's grown from about uh, eight people when it first started to this past September, we had 47. So it's rambunctious, <laughs> um, but really, really good. And uh, I've had a great opportunity to learn team actually from the start and um, kind of model team um, into uh, the present day. And so there's a great guy. Joe was talking about people who do hosts in the morning and just kind of do the announcements. There's a great guy who uh, is here actually this weekend, but he's sick and didn't sleep at all last night, so his personality won't reflect what I'm about to describe. But he is he's uh, this fiery, red-haired guy. He's a physics major as well as a philosophy minor. So he's got a lot of brains and a whole lot of personality to go along with it. And he is the most excited guy ever. Uh, he talks about church picnics. He's like, we're having the greatest church picnic today after church. I love picnics. And we're like... All right, Gord. Great. <laughs> and so Gord um, has just, uh, just been blessed to be on a team with Gord doing uh, youth work. And I just had the opportunity to hand off kind of youth work to him. And uh, so I'm going to talk about a little bit of the transition right there, um, how I was kind of leading and then handing that off and also what was going on. And also how I am learning um, in a different uh, aspect of church life. So I kind of felt God was calling me to uh, hand things off um, last summer. And so we began to kind of develop a plan to see that happen. And um, I, we, we initially wanted to hand it off uh, at Christmas time. And uh, we said, well, we'll look at it at Christmas time. And if we can't hand it off then, we'll reevaluate and maybe the summertime. It ended up being the summertime. Uh, we had kind of a shift in some of the leaders 
of our uh, of our youth group, and uh, so we it's probably better on to stay on for a while. But just like Joe said, it's important to define a few things, and so we started off by defining the purpose, and uh, it was kind of like a little bit of a twist on what we do for the Meeting Place Church. So we said, number one, we want to meet the kids, we want to meet with God, and we want to meet the needs of our community. And so we live in Fredericton, we love Fredericton, we believe that if you're not missional in the city you live in, when you move somewhere else, you won't be missional there either, because you don't change, the places do. And so we want to instill that in kids um, and ourselves from a young age as soon as possible. And so some of the roles that I started to define around that are, there's a list, so kind of bear with me, but you have an idea of kind of what we're working with. We've got to have somebody to uh, lead our Saturday night meetings, so meeting on Saturday nights, to speak or coordinate the speakers, to organize trips to the U.S., which is really tough with passports, uh, fun activities, access to service in the community. Got to think of new games. We think of really disgusting games. It's been excellent. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> we, they belong here. I wish they could all be here. Um, we uh, defined, or in some cases, chuck out <laughs> curriculum that was kind of creepy. Uh, there is some weird videos out there. I'm going to throw that one out there. Um, or we create our own. Um, obviously, we don't create the word, <laughs> but we take from the Bible um, and use that. Uh, we have midweek groups, groups with our high school people, so some of them lead each one of those groups and oversee them. We visit schools on a weekly basis, or at least we try to, uh, to visit the Youth for Christ groups that happen at lunch hours there. We have leaders meetings throughout the week, and when, as your youth group grows, your amount of leaders grows, and trying to schedule in even six people is really difficult. Most of our leaders are universities, so it's like, well, I have a class that night, and I'm like, I've had a class in like seven years, so I don't know what you're talking about. And some nights, uh, twice a year, we have a uh, annual, uh, biannual, I guess, girls' night, guys' night, where we just split up and we do... All the stereotypical things, <laughs> like, I don't know what the girls do. They, the one, one year we had paint gourd for the Lord. <laughs> he wore white everything, and they just painted him. And so he came downstairs, all different colors. <laughs> the paint was washable, thankfully, because <laughs> we were like, your pores are going to close. It's going to really suck later on. Um, but the guys, we just, like, get, like, a bunch of screens like this and projectors, and we play Xbox until, like, 1 in the morning. And then we all don't want to do youth group again after that because <laughs> we're a little tired, and then we recover. So I kind of spent four years modeling what all this looks like, how do we do this in team. We developed a structure for Sunday nights. We scheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled and rescheduled and kind of saw, I tried to show that it's impossible to do it on our own. We really can't. Like, I am not a naturally administrative person. And so when, when I say to all the kids, or we're at the first of the year. We need all of your Medicare numbers and all these things because if you get trouble, you know, or you get sick at youth group, we have to be able to take care of you. And then I lose them all, and then I ask them for them again. The parents are like, well, what are you doing with these? Are you selling these or something like that? And I'm like, no, 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 I'm just terrible at this. And so we luckily found someone who's massively gifted administratively, and she has been a great help. Lauren Vale, she's listening to this message on the Internet sometime. She's great. <laughs> Um, and so we meet, have people like that in our team. We also have people who are more relational because I don't mind getting up and talking like this, but sometimes I'm a little bit awkward. I inherit that from my mom. And um, sometimes I'm not the best person relationally or I just don't have that experience in my life. So we have those people on a team. We have people like me who have the spiritual gift of voice projection. And uh, <laughs> there's a big, wide amount of gifts in the team. And really, you can't do it on your own. Um, so some other roles that we defined were just like taking uh, our curriculum, which was really us-centered, inward-focused, 
we kind of stumbled our way through the dark there <laughs> and moved to a more topical thing. And then we kind of found, well, you know what? The more we just talk about Jesus, the more people come, the more people get encouraged, the more people get saved. So we'd love to see that. This past uh, spring in May, we had our church weekend away, and six kids got baptized. It was amazing. It was like the crowning moment of anything I've ever done. When I like, there was this kid, he's from England, he's from Lansing, his name's Sam Bicknow. And he was like, he's like, well, I was like, so why do you want to get baptized? Well, I think it's just about time. He's like 14, right? And so we're going to the water and it was super cold. And he's like, I don't know if this is a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> and so I grabbed him by the hand and it was great. He came up. So it was just so encouraging to see that. And it's just been a wild, wild time. Um, but like, I, like Joe was talking about delegating, uh, there's things that only I can do. Well, <laughs> I, I thought there was a lot of those. <laughs> I didn't want to hand much off. And um, that was a thing for me. Like Joe, um, you know, I think it's, it's fair to say you have a, a way about doing things. And Joe's very organized. And it's a blessing. And at the same time, people that are kind of like us can only want to do everything. <laughs> and you can help out when we say it's okay. Um, so letting things go was a big thing for me, but really it's been a weight off of my shoulders. And I know that it's empowering other people to lead and to develop their characters and their giftings. And it's been excellent. So I kind of, when I was overseeing it, I oversaw um, creating kind of um, a set of talks or at least a, a rough outline for what we wanted to talk about. Also, I oversaw our small groups during the week and we coordinated with Sunday mornings to kind of make a, a lot of content linkage um, so that kids aren't just learning a billion things a, a week, but at least one week they're learning one thing two or three times, and uh, which is great. They have new perspectives all the time. Um, and also um, just teaching new tasks. So uh, Gord, uh, I met, uh, the first time I met Gord, he was talking like he had a German accent and he had hair, like he looks a lot like Link from Zelda, if you watch, if you ever played Zelda. So he, when I first met him, he had hair like down to his armpits and red hair and he was just running across this field in Miller Ferton and I was like, oh yeah. And then he came to help out a youth group and I was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, but like really, I was like, hey man, could you think tonight, like you're a really engineer guy, do you think you can kind of welcome everybody? And he's like, well, what do I say? And I was like, just... I don't know, say who you are and say where you're from and what you're about and then welcome them in. He's like, I can do that. And so it's more complex than that for some things, but we just teach how to do it and then you give them a chance <laughs> and then they run with it and a lot of the times uh, there's some success. And when there's not, you can kind of have a little bit of time afterwards to be like, okay, well, you know, this might be where you can improve. The compliment sandwich, great thing, good thing, bad thing, good thing. I've learned that the hard way. People don't like hearing just the really harsh truth. Surprise. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, uh, that's pretty much what we do at Youth Group, and uh, it's been a great transition. Uh, Gord has just run amok in the greatest way uh, with Fuel ever since, and uh, he was one of the guys that's under Joe uh, this summer and uh, just doing a fantastic job. Um, and so that's kind of where I've been in a position to lead and to kind of transition and to have mentors under me. And I've also been a mentoree, I guess you could call it, um, in our small groups. So we call them life groups in Fredericton. And um, they're kind of the main vehicle um, for catching the vision of our church, as well as uh, their primary role for pastoral care. Because uh, uh, 
with more people coming to the church, there's less Joe Crummy to go around. <laughs> and so we have to have people coming in uh, who would know who's in their small groups and know them well. And so if there's a problem or, you know, you want somebody to talk to, there's somebody there. And also they're useful in connecting new people to the church as well. And so uh, everyone has a leader, an intern, and I found a life group that didn't have an intern. And uh, I went there once. And then afterwards, Ben, who was leading it, says, um, are you going to come back? And I said, yeah, he's like, great, because you really need to be the intern here. And I was like, I guess I'm coming back. <laughs> and uh, it's been a great ride. The second week, he was like, do you think you could lead worship? And I said, I really can't sing. I'll make a joyful noise to the Lord. <laughs> I said, and so I'm pretty much comfortable around only 15 people or less right now singing. And uh, at the same time, I just kind of start the sentence and then I let them finish it because... Um, but, uh, so I started off leading worship and then next week he was like, well, I'm going to take worship this week. Do you think you could do like a three minute introduction to the talk? And I said, sure. And so he's like, we're going through John Gross foundations book. And I said, great. And, uh, he said, can you just study up on, I don't know what page it was. He gave me the pages and I was like, yeah. And so I didn't really, I was busy that week, aren't we all? And I didn't look at what the topic was until that day at like five o'clock and we had a small group of seven, and I was like, no problem, I'll just rip through this, it'll be great. And it's like, men and women's roles. And I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> thank you, Ben. <laughs> and so uh, it actually ended up, by the grace of God, going really well. And you kind of act as like a discussion facilitator and kind of steer how things go. Uh, but Ben has been really great. He's just like, you know what, this is where you shown, and this is where you were a little dim. <laughs> um, but Ben is a, is a great guy. And a great mentor, and it's been uh, it's been a real privilege just to learn under him, and uh, that's pretty much my experiences with doing Dean. That's great, Joel. Thank you. All right, Joel. Thank you very much. All right. Well, time's flown right by, but let me just do a quick um, review with you, okay? And then we'll see if we have time for any questions. So, hopefully, again, you can see from the Word of God. Uh, team is there, okay? So just as the word Trinity isn't in the Bible, but we use it all the time, team might not be in the Bible, but the concept, the principle is there all the way from the Godhead, all the way through Old Testament, all the way through Jesus being here on earth with his disciples, New Testament, and we need to make sure that we are part of team today in our local churches, in our ministries, and together as a family of churches as well. Okay, some really key things to value in that, okay, we've got to have that mindset, that attitude, that team is worth the effort. Okay, if we're going to grow, if we're going to multiply, if we're going to plant churches, we need to be committed to training other people. So some of us are going to stay, some of us are going to go. We want to make sure the church that's sending doesn't fall apart because they've sent out all their leaders. And we want to send out good leaders who have already know all those things in there. We need good relationships. We need to know that we're secure in Christ, that if other people succeed more than us, we're not upset by that. If we fail when we try something, we're not upset by that, that the grace of God is there, both when we succeed, when we fail, and we can cheer each other on. Okay, We've got to have clear leadership that help uh, into those things of defining as much as you can what our purpose is, what our goals are, job description, all that. We've got to display, model this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to do it. And under your own personality, we've got to do prep work and feedback for that. Okay, and then we have to learn how to delegate. And we have to, again, not be afraid of that. We have to do that with wisdom. And we have to do that with grace. But 
What is it only I can do? Anything else? How can we empower other people to do that? And then I'd encourage you, you can apply these things in every aspect of church life. Okay, We're doing it all in every part of church life. You're working with the poor. It's all about team. Kids, nursery, everything. No one person's doing it. They're building teams. They're defining. They're displaying. They're delegating. In our local church, and then I just put Canada at the bottom, we're trying to build this model for translocal as well. And it's great to have someone like Jeremy leading the way, who's modeling these things to us as we work together. You know, we're working together with Reese and Sarah going to Vancouver, which you'll hear more about uh, over the next day or two. Every aspect, team, team, team. And if we're to fulfill those prophetic promises that we heard reminded of last night, we can do more together than we can apart. We have to make sure this is vital in our foundation. Okay? So, I'll ask the dangerous question. Do you have any questions or anything that maybe we can have a few minutes to uh, try to answer or at least discuss? Yes? I'll repeat the question just in case you didn't hear it for our sound. So regarding having an attitude and a mindset for team, what happens if maybe you're in a larger church where the same people are doing the majority of the work or the same things all the time? How do you get new people involved and whose responsibility is that to sort of try to change things? Is that what I hear? All right. Great question. I think a couple things come to mind is, yes, I think it's, it's, it's an everybody sort of uh, answer, I think, depending upon who's asking. And that, you know, you can talk to the elders, you can talk to whatever maybe ministry or leadership that you're in, just to even dialogue and to have that discussion. Maybe people aren't aware that's even happening that way. So sometimes it's just awareness of understanding. And then I think it's within us, for every one of us, to take a part and say, okay, how can I be part of the solution to that? Is there something maybe we can talk about that, you know, within our small group or whatever area that maybe I need to be asking other people who I see aren't involved in anything. How can you get more involved? What do you think your gifts are? What are you passionate about? And sometimes, I mean, it would be great if that always came from leadership asking the questions, but sometimes it's, it's grassroots as well. Is that As we get educated, we can spur one another on to say, you know what, what can we what can we do to sort of change the situation? How can I get involved? So I think very briefly, I think you can talk to your leadership and just explain your concern and hopefully that maybe they can do some teaching into it. Or as you do that at a grassroots level, how can some of you, you know, and I think you spur one another on to say, look, you know, how can we get more involved? Or if you see people who aren't involved at all, just begin the dialogue. It's like, you know, hey, you've been here. You know, what would you like to get involved with what do you think your gifts are and that might be a way to sort of both from a leadership perspective but from a grassroots level get more people involved okay so hopefully that helps all right 
Anything else? Any other questions that people might have? That's a great question. Yes, go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, another good question. So the question is just in this whole thing of team and trying to define well and delegate well and display well and that, how many meetings do you have recognizing that people are really, really busy? And, and so totally we understand because at our church there's only myself and uh, Sally, our administrator, are full time. That's it. So even our other two elders have full-time uh, jobs, and all our ministry leaders are all volunteers. So we totally understand where a couple things. One is in that attitude mindset, it's really convincing people that if you can have maybe, and we do have regular, in a sense, regular meetings for every aspect. So, But what we found is if you can convince people, if you have two or three good meetings a year where things are well-defined, well displayed, you're getting feedback, you've got handouts for people, they understand what their role is. Actually, even though it could appear it takes more time because you have a few more meetings, people are so much more enjoying their serving because they understand this is what I'm supposed to do. The more you can show people and you actually do that, you only have to do one piece of the pie because you're doing a piece and you're doing a piece and you're doing a piece. Because most of the time when you ask volunteers, they're thinking, i got to do everything. But if you can show them, we've got five different things we need, and we're just asking you to do one-fifth of it, people are like, one-fifth? I can, I can do one-fifth of it. It's not really fooling them. It's just showing that most of the time we ask volunteers, we think, I'm going to have to do everything. And so it's like very guarded about what I'm going to commit to, which we understand. But if you can show people, okay, kids' church, okay, you're on. For three weeks, and then you've got 12 weeks that you're not on. And in those three weeks, this is the one area we want you to do because you've got five other people doing this as opposed to two people doing the whole thing six weeks and maybe having two weeks off and doing it six weeks more. You can show people, I only have to do, I only have to do three weeks, then I'm off for three or four months. That's just an example that... If you have meetings, yes. So, you know, we're having one this coming a week from tomorrow with all of our kids' church because we're kind of launching out a new term again from September to Christmas. We'll gather them all together. But they understand that one meeting, it's a commitment, but I'm better off because it's so well done in that meeting. It's better than just sort of feeling I'm out there on my own. And if you can show people that, hey, in our church, look at all the people. So in our kids' church between like nursery and everything out of a church of like 200 I think we have 60 plus who are involved on a regular basis in those things and people understand the whole many hands make light work uh, sort of thing that wow we're in this together but yes for every aspect of church life we try to build team we try to have 
regular meetings, and some of them depend on, so welcome team, they have meetings, and we review what the vision is for welcome team, your job descriptions, and some of them may be two or three times a year, but because you have everything defined, they don't forget, they don't forget it, um, and then each sort of ministry, so like our small groups, we have monthly meetings, so depending upon, but there's like 30 or 40 leaders that you need to meet with on a regular basis, so yeah, sometimes it's more work up front. It's more work up front to write the job descriptions up. But once you get it going, the maintenance of it and to grow it is a whole lot easier. And people realize long term there's less burnout because more people are involved. And we realize that people are really busy and uh, we have to make sure when we have our meetings, we got our act together to value their their time. Okay? Maybe one or two more and then, or just one more and then let's let's pray for you. Anything else? Okay, you can speak to us afterwards, all right? Let's stand. Thank you. You guys have been great. Thank you. Bless you guys for sitting on the floor. Sorry about that. We uh, ran out of chairs, and uh, I honestly thought you would all be at Terry's seminar, so I'm really, I told them, oh, don't, you don't have to bring in too many chairs. But So thank you for being here. I hope this has been a help to you to give you some sort of big vision understanding, but also some very practical things. I wish we had more time we could get into how you define spiritual gifts and how do you define people's passions and all that. I just picked one thing to focus on, so hopefully that gives you something to walk away with. But let's pray for you, and let's pray for our churches that uh, we'd be able to be the body of Christ, that one body, but many members, and everyone's doing their part. Okay, can we agree with that? So Father in heaven, we thank you again for this afternoon. God, I just want to thank you for every person here. God, we believe it's not by accident, God, that you've put people here to hear this afternoon. Uh, God, your word, God, and your uh, seeing the church in action, how it can be the best team on planet earth that's full of passion, knows our purpose and goals, that everyone's involved, everyone's playing a part, everyone feels ownership, everyone gets to, as Joel was saying, rejoice when we see people being baptized, like we had a part to play in that. God, I pray that for these churches represented here. God, I pray for every person here. Lord, I pray if they feel on the fringe, God, I pray you'd help bring them right to the middle, that, God, every person is important. You've given gifts to every person, Holy Spirit, as you've decided. So, God, I pray, Lord, I pray for elders and leaders here to recognize people, to bring them out, to challenge them, to take a risk. God, we pray for our local churches. God, we pray for 100% commitment, 100% involvement. God, we pray that no one would be burned out, that nobody would be sitting on the sidelines. God, that everybody would be involved to the praise of your glory. I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone, once again, thank you. And uh, enjoy the rest of the day and weekend. And if you want to stay afterwards and chat a bit more, we'd be happy to do that. Thank you.